0: All right what's up everybody this is another edition of Up in Flames as always I am your host Mo Murphy and today is tough we got to review you know we got to go over the game my Ohio State Buckeyes against the Michigan Wolverines didn't get the outcome we wanted I think there's a lot of overreaction in Buckeye country right now Um, the game didn't go as planned obviously we didn't win but we'll get into all that uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the other things That happened in rivalry week What we learned um, going into You know conference championship week But it, it's mainly going to be focused On the game because man I got a little bit of thoughts And feelings and I'm a little disappointed Warning You are now listening to Up in Flames We up in Flames yeah. We up in Flames Yeah yeah, yeah uh. Yeah. Let me hear Lambo We up in flames, we up in flames, we up in flames, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh we up in flames, hold on, uh, Check this go We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo-hoo. We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. Once again, we are back. Welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames. I am your host, Mo Murphy. So we have to talk about the game. It's mainly with, like I said, you know, coming into the show. That's what I said. This is mainly going to be focused on is, you know, it's going to be full focus on the game. Um, Ohio State lost. You know, I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear some of my thoughts. Got a lot of phone calls, had to deal with, you know, um, a lot of trash talk. Had to deal with a lot of trash talk after that. And rightfully so, right? You know, I'm the loudest when we win. I'm loud when we lose. Um, so I got to take it when I I got to dish it. If I dish it, I got to take it. So Michigan beat Ohio State 45 to 23. And for the few people that I know that probably didn't watch the game, but I'm talking to the rest of the world that watched the game, it took a turn very, very fast. Um, things looked promising in the first half, got a three-point lead. But you kind of go into halftime, and I don't think you necessarily feel, obviously, only up three. It's still a game. But you don't feel safe. You see a lot of things when you're Ohio State fan and you're watching. You see some vulnerability uh, going into the second half. We're getting beat by J.J. J. J. McCarthy, who he hasn't really beat a team yet in his career based on, you know, he's a five-star coming into Michigan, and he's never – when the game's all on him, he's always had his running back, uh, Hassan Haskins and Blake Coram and Donovan Edwards. So the game, when it's it's never really been have to put on his shoulders. And I think that was Ohio State's game plan going into the game. And you kind of seen it in the first half was like, we're gonna put eight in the box. We're gonna stop you from running the ball. Blake Coram ran what once got tackled, never went back in the game. And so as an Ohio State fan, you hate to see injuries, but now you kind of feel like, okay, we fully focused on stopping the run. We're going to make JJ McCarthy beat us. And that's exactly what he did. That that God, this is this sucks, but that's exactly what he did. Um JJ McCarthy showed up, showed out and played huge. And so real quick on the Michigan side, that changes the dynamic to me on how you look at Michigan. Um because you're like, okay, if you stop the run, they're not a good team. And you kind of, you know, it validated that against Illinois, right? It's like Blake Corm goes out, no Donovan Edwards. They had, they looked like they weren't deep at running back. And Illinois almost beat them, could have beat them, had plenty of opportunities to beat them, but Michigan is the better team. But now that you throw up the fact that J.J. McCarthy has that in his mix, it makes it a lot harder to prepare for Michigan, and it makes Michigan a lot tougher. And you've seen that in the second half because Ohio State buckled down going into the second half to try and stop J.J. McCarthy, which ultimately led to them running for over 200 yards in the second half. So because J.J. McCarthy was able to beat Ohio State over the top, even though we still had the lead, it made us adjust. And instead of adjusting and kind of playing where we'll stop the pass, we'll stop the bleeding a little bit with the way he's throwing the ball, but still commit to stopping the run, we completely changed the game plan. Felt like J.J. McCarthy was probably going to beat us. Played around with our food a little too many times on offensive possessions. But now that we know J.J. McCarthy can do that, um, it's not, it, it'll be tough. You know, it, It'll be a little tough. I don't think a team like Georgia um, is weak at corner, is lacking in the secondary like Ohio State is, which is something crazy. But it's like since 2019, we haven't had the same secondary, and I don't understand what the issue is. But yeah, it's just speaking on Michigan side like it makes them a tougher out now if JJ McCarthy could play that way going into the Big 10 championship, going into the college football playoffs, it does make Michigan to me that much tougher. Now, Ohio State. Hey man, Buckeyes fans, listen to me. Listen to me closely. Relax. Relax. Calm down. We lose and we're calling for Ryan Day's job. We lose, and we just all of a sudden have no good players on our team. We lose this game, and we want a total reset. I don't think we're ready for that. I don't think it's hit that point. Does Ryan Day's seat get a little hot going into next year? 100%. I mean, 100%. And he's going to have a pretty much the same schedule this year. Uh. That he'll have it next year, the same schedule. We'll get a shot at Notre Dame again. We play Penn State, play Michigan, obviously. But you gotta relax. Ryan Day is a very, very good coach. We want Elite, right? We've had we had Jim Tressel, who was a great coach. We had Urban Meyer, who, you know, I, I don't agree with some of the, the the decisions he made as a man, but Winning covers up a lot of things. And, you know, when he was losing as the NFL head coach, a lot of things about his per his personality came out and, and all the negative came and hit him in Jacksonville. But to say that Ryan Day should not have a job, to say that we want to fire him while watching Matt Rule go to Nebraska, while watching Luke Fickle leave Cincinnati and go to Wisconsin, my thing is if you have a if you have a solution fire Ryan day in order to hire X enter the coach. And it makes sense. Then I would entertain that conversation. But by no means right now, do I think replace Ryan day back with urban Meyer? Like, I don't think that should be on the table. I think the wounds are still not healed about, you know, his time in Jacksonville. And I think it'd be tough to send urban Meyer into people's living rooms and tell these parents that he's completely changed. and You could trust your son with me at my program. And then we're going to see this documentary about the Florida Gators and the time when urban Meyer was there. And so you don't know if that's going to be a positive or negative effect on urban Meyer, but we got to calm down. We, we, I I feel like a lot of people have completely, completely overreacted. Um, We've been exposed, right? Like, and that's to me more on Jim Harbaugh and his great coaching and his adjustments, as opposed to, Ryan Day's lack thereof. I mean, there's, there's definitely flaws in Ryan Day's play calling, decision-making sometimes. And But I think both teams came into this season and knew all they had to do was be unscathed. They never had to look pretty. They never had to play great as long as they came into this game undefeated. That it was mano-a-mano mano for all the marbles to go to the Big Ten championship. And, and they kind of played like that. Both teams played like that at times. But when I look at Jim Harbaugh, here's my theory on why Michigan has beat us the past two years. Jim Harbaugh was struggling, couldn't beat us. He was on the hot, sorry, he was on the hot seat. People were talking about, he he could, had he lost last year, who knows? Jim Harbaugh could not be the coach at Michigan. But the fact is he won, and he won in dominating fashion. And it seems like that COVID year is when Harbaugh was able to kind of look at the team, take a reset and build to beat Ohio State. And part of that is upgrading at, Recruiting like that is part of it, but he looked at Ohio state's weakness and it was never the question. Did Michigan have the athletes to be on the same field as Ohio state? They just were never able to exploit Ohio state's weakness. And most teams don't. And then when you get to, we play a Georgia, we play a Alabama and it's like, okay, this team might have better athletes than us. They, and they can exploit our weaknesses because they got just as much, if not more talent and they got better coaching. So now it gets exploited a little bit. And so that's where the narrative of Ohio State can run through the Big Ten but not be the SEC. But it's different when all playing fields are level and coaching might be a little bit better. You know, obviously Nick Saban is a better coach than Ryan Day. Um, Kirby Smart may be a, you know, we haven't got a crack at Georgia, but he may be a better coach than Ryan Day. We don't know. But you finally are on a field and all of your weakness can be exposed because you got teams who not only match you athletically, they might even be better than you at skill positions depending on the year. And then they could beat you in the trenches. And so I think Jim Harbaugh looked at Michigan and was like, we're going to beat Ohio state in the trenches. We're going to build a team that can fight the grind of, you know, those big 10 games can be ugly. Let's just be honest. It's a joke, right? Like y'all will see the scores and be like, man, that's not even football. Look at Iowa, you know, wins a game nine to three. Like, so Seven to six. So I understand where you're like the the talent isn't there, but it's a different brand of football in the Midwest than it is down South. Um, That's just what it is. The SEC is better than the Big Ten. Yes, I think the Big Ten still gets a little too much disrespect. But at the same time, any disrespect that you have being an SEC fan throwing towards the Big Ten this year, there's not much to argue. I mean, from top to bottom, SEC was clearly, clearly a lot better than the Big Ten. But back to Harbaugh, I think he just – I'm going to exploit Ohio State's weaknesses because he knows he can beat Penn State. He knows he has the team to beat Michigan State. He knows he can beat Nebraska and Wisconsin. That wasn't what was in question. What was in question was could he beat Ohio State? And so he took a long, hard look. I'm almost convinced Harbaugh spent months watching film and trying to figure out what is the weakness with Ohio State? Where can we get them at? We probably aren't going to get the elite wide receivers that they get. We get some good ones, but we ain't going to get the elite ones. They got a five-star quarterback, right? And, and up to Saturday, he didn't necessarily look like the answer, but hell, he came to play on Saturday. He came to play in the biggest game of his life so far. He came and showed up and showed up. So shout out to um, J.J. McCarthy. I hate giving Michigan players, but hey, credit. Got to give credit when credit's due, right? So hardball looks in like, I think Ohio State's weak in the trenches, and we're going to see. I think if I can run the ball down their throats and play defense – and beat them and, and attack their line of scrimmage on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I think that's where I can get him. And that's where he's gotten us the past two years. Now, I don't think the pass rush was crazy. I don't think C.J. Stroud was under duress in this game, uh, especially for the majority of the game. I mean, he had plenty of times where he should have ran the ball. He had plenty of time to throw. But I think it was as long as long they did, as long as it broke even and they didn't get dominated, even because at the same time, if Stroud's back there all day, The plays break down, and so now you're playing, your wide receivers are just having to find soft spots in the defense because the route's done, and so it still changes things, and it makes the DB's job a little bit easier either way. The play is broken down at that time. you got to make something out of nothing, and that's what Michigan essentially made C.J. Stroud do. We came out the first drive to perfection. I mean, outside of the the false start penalty, we didn't have a negative play on the first drive, and then we stopped him. Held them to a field goal, right? So now it looks like, okay, if Ohio State scores right here, it could get ugly. Ultimately end up with a field goal. We're up 10-3. You're still feeling good. But then you turn around and Michigan scores right away. I'm talking about they score fast, quick, in a hurry, in a big play. And you get a little nervous. Like, okay, this we did not expect this. We were told Jim Knowles changed the defense. And all year we always looked like, I think I more gave the benefit of the doubt that I feel like We weren't playing up to our potential because all we were trying to do was make it through each game unscathed. Hey, As long as we win, we knew if we handle business and win games and Michigan handle business, 11 weeks go out the window come Saturday. Didn't matter what you look like for them 11 weeks. It didn't matter. It was Ohio State. It was Michigan. It was number two versus number three. Big noon kickoff. That's all the marbles was coming down to this matchup. And so I thought like, okay, we will see the best version of Ohio State. All things are on the table. And they were saying all the right things coming into the game. We've had to live with this loss for 365 days. They disrespected us. And I felt like there was plenty of bulletin board material. That shit that Desmond Howard and Aiden Hutchinson did to your quarterback on on national TV at the Heisman Ceremony? That should have been, man, that clip should have been played all week. And it could have been. I don't know what they did in preparation, but I'm just saying there was plenty of bulletin board material. There was plenty of talk going on to where, like, you couldn't play uninspired football. And Ohio State is a team right now. It's all finesse. They look great in a dome. You know, like if we play in a dome and, and the weather is perfect, a 75 or, or not a factor, But the weather was great on Saturday, so I think that even puts it out the window because that was a perfect weather game for Ohio State in Columbus in November. What, 53 degrees and sunny? It it looked like a beautiful day. I wish I could have been there. Maybe not now because we lost, but it put like, okay, this is the type of game where this is the advantage of Ohio State, and we knew that because we were weather-watching all week. You know, I was on Jay Stevens' show on Locked on Buckeyes, and that was what was brought up is this supposed to rain. And that changes. That changed the whole outlook. Blake Corum goes out. Donovan Edwards is a hell of a running back, by the way. But Blake Corum goes out, and you had an opportunity to kind of make them panic, make them feel like they're going to have to play from behind. And you just – there's no dog. There's no dog. And I don't mean – I know we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old young men, right? But at the end of the day, you play football for a prestigious program. You play football for a program where expectations are at all-time highs, especially going into this year. I mean, it was national championship or bust. Like, the Big Ten championship should have been easy work. Like, yes, all you have to do is beat Michigan, but you felt like going into the season, there was enough motivation to go into that game and not lay an egg the way you did. But we did that. That's exactly what we did. We laid an egg. And so as I look at this Ohio State game, The thing is, though, you would think the sky is falling. And and let's just get into this, right? So we get beat the way we did by Michigan. Now I think that takes the air out of the program, and a lot of the fans feel like we can't compete with none of the top four teams. I still like us against TCU. I still like us against USC. I think, you know, I would want to say that if we were ever able to get another shot at Michigan, albeit whether it was in the playoff or the national championship, I I would want to say that, you know, Things would be different, but maybe even still, I think Ohio State at worst showed you that there's probably two teams they don't belong on the same field with. What still doesn't put them as one of the four, that doesn't take away the fact that they probably are one of the four best teams, but at the same time, if TCU and USC handle business and hoist those conference championships in Michigan and Georgia, you understand that that's not going to matter. But you would think the sky is falling, and we are sitting here you know, as I'm sitting here recording this, we easily could go to the playoffs. TCU plays Kansas State. They had to come back and beat Kansas State. It's tough to beat a team twice, especially in college football. I mean, we know that in the NFL, when you play these division games, which conference division, same thing. When you play these division games, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice. A lot of teams don't go through the division in the NFL and go six and zero, unless either they're just that elite or the division is just down. It's on a bad year. So. To think that, you know, okay, we're going into this weekend and think there's no hope. Like, okay, yes, if we get in, we probably draw Georgia. But we have an opportunity. We'll have a month. We'll have six weeks or, four, yeah, six weeks to prepare for Georgia. So we'll have an opportunity to get some get back. Worst case scenario, hey, Michigan looks great. They value that. You know, the college football playoff ranking hasn't come out. But a best case scenario, I would think, for Ohio State is Michigan looks great. They dominated us. They dominate Purdue. Georgia looks a little shaky against the LSU team that just barely, or that just got molly Essentially, got dominated by Texas A and M. And Michigan gets the one seed. TCU or USC lose, and now Ohio State gets in. And I put it like this: If Michigan's at one and Ohio State's at four, I'm not telling you who will win the game, but I will tell you this: There'll be one man shaking in his boots. And it'll be Ryan Day. I I think it'd be great for us as fans to be able to get that and understand that like we could avenge the loss and make this week 12 or week 13, this rivalry week loss, all the pain would go away if we were able to play and beat Michigan in the playoffs. But if we were to play Michigan, and I know this is a real hypothetical, but like TCU could lose to Kansas State. USC has already lost to Utah once, which is why I more favor USC to win that game. As opposed to, I think Kansas State could beat TCU or TCU beat the snot out of Kansas State. That's a possibility too because they looked pretty damn good uh, on Saturday. But if we get a shot, I think one man will be shaking in his boots and it would be Ryan Day because if you get a chance to avenge the loss and you don't have to wait 365 days to do so, there is no time for anybody. I'm going to be honest. If we were to play and just put this in perspective, follow me here. If Ohio State, was to play Michigan in the playoffs and Ryan Day lost that game? Oh, they're going to set it on fire. I don't even know if he'll have a seat that we'll say is hot at that point. I would still say be on the hot seat and be okay. You got to at least give him another year, but oh, they'd want him gone. If you lost the first time, you, you had an opportunity to get it back and you lost twice in the same season. You lost twice in a calendar year and everybody wants your job. You lost twice in six weeks. You got to make us live with that. That will you? 1-3 against Michigan? One of the losses was in the playoffs? Oh, that's going to be unbearable. I can only imagine what people will have to say about that. So, But we're acting like the sky is falling. We have an opportunity to get in the playoffs, which means we would still have an opportunity to compete. Maybe this loss would put us on a, a different atmosphere. Maybe we get Jackson Smith and Jigba back. Maybe Travion Henderson is ready to go. Maybe this would be the best way that if things fall our way, this will be the healthiest the team has been all year. It's a possibility. That I'm sure they'd be on the table. I'm sure if we got in the playoffs, there's a world where Jackson Smith and Jigbo would come back. You could say he didn't come back and then hey, he would have a whole nother six weeks off coming off a hamstring injury. So I think he would be, I think he'd be good, locked, and ready to go. Um, so we still can make the playoffs. And I mean, God, I don't think we win the national championship, but once you get in the playoffs, I mean, you can like the mismatch all you want that Georgia, but you still got to play the game. You could say Ohio State gets blown out, and it's possible. I'm not saying today that we beat Georgia. I don't know if I like our chances against Georgia. But at the same time, Georgia has to show that on the field. Michigan already showed it on the field, man. Y'all can't play with us. And so they're going to go in to the playoffs with that swagger if we get in anyway. They're going to hope we beat Georgia. They would love nothing more than lick our lick their chops to play us in the national championship because they probably feel like it'd be won. Oh, they can't play with us. If we draw TCU or USC and we win that game and we watch Ohio, oh, they'd will be they they'd be the biggest Ohio State fans for a day. But for three hours, that'd be the first time you would see the whole Michigan fan base would probably be the biggest Buckeye supporters they've ever been because they would be like, that is the easiest path for us to win a national championship is if they're able to shock Georgia, oh, we got the national championship in the bag. But that's where the rivalry has gone in two years is that there's a world where Michigan will root for us because they feel like that matchup, if we get in at four and play Georgia and they're number one, Michigan handles business, they will feel like that matchup is their easiest route to win a national championship. So that's where this has gone um, in a matter of two years. And so I told you how I feel about, you know, Harbaugh and the way he kind of built reset and built this team to basically be able to beat Ohio State. Um, I don't think we should be talking about firing Ryan Day now. We say he's on the hot seat, but let's let this weekend play out because a lot of things could be proven. A lot of things could be... There's a lot of scenarios that could happen over the next week that changes everything. USC or TCU loses in Ohio State 10. I, I'd almost guarantee it. Um, and so getting in the playoffs means, hey, we'll, we'll be healthy. We'll be ready to go. We'll be ready to fight. And And you could kind of try and shut all that stuff up. So I just had to get a few things off my chest. I'm not going to, you know, go all day. I I think I rambled and didn't necessarily hit the point. So if, if this was damage to your ears, I apologize. I just needed to get behind the mic and get some thoughts out Uh, more so for myself, but I hope you enjoyed this. And if you didn't, you know, I'm sorry too, because Ohio State got my mind going. It's tough to say one thing and stick to that point when, when it makes you think about something else. So real quick, before we get out of here, I want to talk about Caleb Williams. Uh, Man's great. man's a great player. There's no way is, you know, there's no other way to put it. He he secured the Heisman. I think with the lack of elite performance from CJ Stroud and losing that game and, you know, Blake Corham being hurt because I think if Blake Corham was fully healthy, he would have had Donovan Edwards numbers, which now kind of makes it a, two-horse race, so I think due to injury, Blake Quorum took himself out of that race, but still a great player. Um, Not hating by any means, but I think Caleb Williams secured the Heisman in his bag, and the only thing I hate about seeing great players be so great is that everything, we're in a comparison era. Based on your talent level, we have to compare, and he's getting, God, we wake up on Monday and it's Patrick Mahomes-like. He's Patrick Mahomes. He's Patrick Mahomes. He's a generational talent. That's a term I'm so damn tired of hearing because you can't have generational talent every year. That's yearly elite talent. That is not generational. Generational is every six, seven years you get a guy that you can't pass up on. This guy is the most elite guy in the past six or seven years. When you say generational, when this is a generational talent, That means if I go back, no matter how great these prospects have been coming in for the past six, seven years, there is not a guy better than that guy. He would go number one. If we're talking quarterbacks and we're like, this is going to be the number one pick next year, he would go number one in the past six or seven drafts. That's what a generational quarterback is, is if you project him to go number one because he's a generational talent, Go back seven years, and he'd be the number one pick in all those drafts based on what you saw from him. Generational is not, oh, this guy's the number one pick this year. That's generational. I ain't never seen nothing like it. That's just not generational to me. So, But we live in this comparison era, and so now Caleb Williams is going to have to wear next year. He's going to be the biggest star in college football next year. He plays for USC. His head coach is Lincoln Riley. USC wins the Pac-12. Their brand is back In a snap of a finger, we know how deep this transfer portal is about to be. So we know like you don't you can compete year to year. Your recruiting classes don't even have to be top five for you to feel like you could compete the next three years because all you could do, especially with this NIL stuff, is I go pick guys. You know, there's that guy from Pitt over there, Jordan Addison. Yeah, let's bring him over here. Let's put him in a nice little spot on the beach in Southern California in L.A. Let's put him in a little mini bachelor's pad and yeah, we'll get him. So you can start scouting and recruiting basically people's best players that you can put them in better situations. So you can even, a team like USC, their brand is back now. Like they've always been superb, had superb athletes and stuff. But like the brand is back. Playing for Lincoln Riley, playing with Caleb Williams next year, and playing for USC in Southern California right before they go to the big t- that's That idea is going to sell itself now. So it's, you don't even have to look and be like, man, our recruiting class is like number 12. Well, okay, yeah, but. We'll hit the transfer portal and get an A grade. We'll fix everything we need from sophomores going into their junior year, and we're going to get these guys. They're going to be great. They're going to go on to the NFL and do great things. But because we like that guy over there at Michigan State, because we like this guy up there at Oregon State. Yeah, come on down here and play. So it changes the dynamic, and I think we're really about to see it this year, especially now that NIL is going to be implemented. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but you know basically now it's legally It's legal to buy players. And so that's what you're going to be doing. I'm not hating on it. I don't think it's a bad thing, but that's what it does. And until you expand the playoffs, it's going to put that pool of like five, six, or seven teams, depending on, I think, you know, if I was to go to, it's, it's Michigan, it's Ohio state, it's Bama, it's Georgia, probably LSU, USC's in there. Not sure where Texas or Oklahoma fit in a trans taking a, kept murdering the transfer portal, but now you're like, you're looking at who can win their conference and really go to the playoffs. So it's always those typical playoff teams. I think with Ohio state or Michigan, it's easy for them because it's like, okay, all you got to do is sell Hey, you come here, you beat Ohio state, you know, you're going to the playoffs. If you're Michigan, same thing with Ohio state. Yeah. You come here, you know, we're competing for the big 10 championship every year. All we got to do is beat Michigan. And we think you're the guy. So I think the transfer portal can really, Uh, uh, really changed a lot of things. But Caleb Williams is a dude, man. He's going to hoist the Heisman Trophy, probably going to go on to win the Pac-12 championship. And I'm excited to see what he'll look like in the playoffs. Uh, I think a Michigan-USC matchup would be insane. I think it'd be exciting. I think it would give you everything you want. Michigan could put up points against good teams. They showed you. They could do it. So it may not always be in the light, but In the way that you love, it may not be flashy, but Michigan can put up a lot of points. They can get in a shootout with running the ball, which will put a guy like Caleb Williams, like, let's see how good you really are, which I think he's a great player. I think he is great. They can put him in that. We're going to minimize how many possessions you get because we've been running the ball. We've been taking a lot of time off of the clock. One turnover could change everything. So Caleb Williams is a guy. um, So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate everybody for... Tuning in, listening. This is just me more rambling, I guess. Uh, you know, I came in here and wanted to talk Ohio State, talk about the game, if that's what you want to call it. it, it uh, an event happened on a football field in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if it was a football game, but I know an event happened that caused one team to win and one team to lose. I think they called it football, but I think only one team came prepared to play football. So, like I said, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Appreciate everybody for listening. Bearing with me. This is just me more venting behind a microphone. Would love to get some interaction. Let me know what you think. And on that note, Up In Flames is out.